This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. I'm Jason Dick, and this is Political Theater. We're bringing you one of our bonus episodes for an ongoing series, Seriously Funny, with our Heard on the Hill reporter, Catherine Lyons. This week, she caught up with Margaret Cho on the phone. Catherine, the mic is yours. Hi, Margaret. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for your time today. I'm sure you're super busy. Are you on the West Coast? Yes. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Um, Obviously, you're coming to town very soon. Uh, You're performing at the Kennedy Center. You're on your fresh off the bloat tour. Um, And we're wondering what um, what's the difference for you? Do you think in your D.C. audience than other audiences you perform to? I think that people in Washington, D.C. have a lot of purpose. You know, they, they're people who live in, in the capital are very like determined to change the world often that they're, you know, really in working in politics, in activism, whatever it is, there's a lot of uh, dedication and integrity. And so you have a sort of a different audience. You know, sometimes I'm performing to people who just kind of want to go out and laugh. And usually in Washington, D.C., I'm going to perform for people who just need some relief. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, so that's a kind of a change, you know, because then it's like you're using ideas kind of uh, almost as if uh, it's like a kind of an opiate or something, um, a hope as an opiate, uh, you know, that, that can kind of motivate people even more. You know, so I always feel like really fortunate to be able to perform there. Every time I've been there, you know, in different contexts, I used to go visit Cal Penn at the White House when he was working in the Obama administration. And, and you know, that's a typical example for me of somebody who has an incredible sense of um, purpose and dedication. You know, he's like leaving this huge career in Hollywood to go... Uh, you know, talk, talk to people, you know, to work in, in the White House, which is a very, sure. it's a very honored position, but it's, you know, it's something that is like, it's very different, but it's because he really wants change. And sure. and so I think now more than ever, um, I just was there in, uh, in the um, Capitol, it's a little, not too long ago. And it was, it was like the same. It's always that same feeling of like, we're doing something vitally important. And I, I, I'm down with that. Like I believe that and I feel that. So I really love to work there. Well, thank you. I love hearing what people on the outside think about Washingtonians because it's far kinder and flattering than the way that we see ourselves. So it's it's always just such a compliment to hear what other uh, comedians have to say. Uh, when it comes to yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the riot uh, festival, the riot show. Um, it's a part of uh, International Women's Day. So, are you crafting a new act for it? Are you going to weave into? Are you going to weave in some of the stuff that you've already been doing? Do, can you make International Women's Day? Yeah, I think it's everything. Day I mean, 
everybody is like the same. You know, it's like we kind of like comedians just like we're everything is so immediate and kind of like we're all working with what we have today because everything yeah. comedy is in a different place now than it ever was because everybody's the same. Um, like we all know the same stuff all the time because uh-huh. we all get our news mm-hmm. pretty instantly. So it's like a different. So everybody's going to be like working in what happened today and but also there's more um, pressing messages that are a little more evergreen always. Sure. So I think, um, yeah, it'll be a mix. It, it's a great time in comedy because of that, but it also makes it more challenging. You know, it makes it more challenging, but it makes it more exciting. And it's like, we have to evolve or die, you know, and that's the basic just did everything. Yeah, and you've been doing comedy since the 90s. You've been through several political cycles, several presidential cycles. And that was the week that Move On was embroiled in controversy because they had a couple of ads on their site that equated Bush with Hitler. And so I did the benefit and I said, George Bush is not Hitler. He would be if he applied himself. (laughs) How has your political comedy evolved? Well, it's just become more uh, about addressing things moment to moment. And I think that even though, and it's become more dire, you know, it's like we didn't, we sort of thought we were at the end, a lot of the, the Bush administration, like the second one, you know, we thought that was as bad as it could get. And like that was nothing compared to what we have now. Like it was really, it was like training, like whatever, like fascist training wheels or something. Like it was like just the bare minimum of incompetency. And it was like a pregame for you. You know, the, it was a pregame, but it wasn't even a warm up because it was like, you know, it, it, it's like we just didn't know how bad it could get. And it's funny because it was not funny, actually. <laughs> so Trump is uh, a target for a lot of political comedians. Um, and he's been part of your acts. Do you have any jokes about Congress? Or is that too into the weeds? I think there's all, I mean, maybe it's more about like specific uh, people, but it's not necessarily, well, I do have some Mitch McConnell, I think in there. Um, I, I do have a little bit of Elaine Chow and Mitch McConnell in there. So that's not oh, okay. the same, but it's like, uh, it can get, uh, yeah, there's some here, there has to be standards, not Congress, but there's definitely side players. Um, Kellyanne Conway, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's in there, but nothing, I can't say specifically about Congress just today, but that could change by the end of the day. Sure. And, um, you know, another thing about what we do is like, we recover, we're trying to find like the quirky side of politics. And as you know, a lot of politicians are very straight laced, they're buttoned up, they stick to talking points. So, if one of them has a, a pair of funny socks, it's like this huge deal for us, and we go all in. And in contrast, you just let it all out, and you talk, and you say what you want, and you're unhinged, and, and you know, people have called you fearless and raunchy. What is your advice for them to, to communicate? What do you think they should be doing differently? I think it's like to uh, realize that a sense of like decorum and privacy is really overrated because everybody really can get down with uh, humanity and all of the ways that that emerges in our 
in our lives, in our persona, in our, um, you know, in our daily interactions and in sort of what we choose to like present to the world. And, and I, I think that um, authenticity is most um, important, like, or the most underrated thing um, and vulnerability is really underrated because there's real power in um, self-reliance and that kind of confidence that comes with just knowing like who you are. And, and I think it's okay to be like wild and crazy sometimes. Like it's okay. It, it, it's okay to have that side too. Cause I don't think of that as being flawed. I think flaws is more of like greed or, um, self-interest beyond that of others and and that those two things are highly highly uh apparent in a lot of people in politics sure and uh for you you know you're saying authenticity vulnerability i mean those are human traits we all possess them so why not lean into that a little bit yeah and enjoy that and enjoy that and allow that to be shared because that's real strength and power and you know, um, everything else is kind of shallow and, and, uh, you know, like if we're trying to present this sort of like straight laced image and we're not really that nobody really is straight laced. There's no such thing. Exactly. Everybody has those kinds of perks or, yeah, it doesn't come naturally. Or just, yeah, they're naturally occurring, you know, in that, like the way that we're all kind of wounded as people like everybody has these sort like the idea of original sin isn't actually sin it's just like we're all hurt like somehow and it's okay to be it's okay to show how you heal and um you know become you and would you say that um you know, when you're performing on stage, it's a bit of an outlet for you, too. It's a bit of relief. I think all of us need a little bit of relief these days uh, with today's news cycle, 24-hour news all the time. So yeah. you're benefiting from it just it's as much onslaught. as your audience is. So I, I, had, uh, I had sex with a woman on the ship. And I went through this whole thing, you know, I was like, am I gay? Am I straight? And I realized I'm just slutty. Yeah, I think it's it's really uh, cathartic and it's fun. And it's also like you feel uh, a sense of not being alone. Like cause when people laugh, it's like this feeling of community. Like yeah. whenever you're laughing, you're like, it's a kind of agreement, but it's a very deep form of agreement that goes beyond like nodding you know it's like actual yes. like physical reaction that is comforting so i think um there is a lot of uh, joy to be had in that and um a couple other areas that you've performed in are dancing with the stars dancing the samba margaret cho and her partner louis van amstel you've been on the mass singer you're a obviously in the arts, but they're a little different. You're dancing one, you're singing another. What did, which one did you prefer more? Oh, I really love The Mass Singer. I mean, I think that they're both really interesting places to do stuff. I, especially because on Dancing with the Stars, I was with um, uh, the Palins were there. It was so weird because the people that were coming to the set were like Sarah Palin, Bristol Palin, and then also Brandy Norwood and Whitney Houston. Wow, yeah. So they were there, like... Yeah. And that was just a strange combination. Was that people. surreal? Uh, and the, situ the situation. Um, from, 
<laughs> from Jersey Shore. So there was like a lot of weird, just weird people that 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 would never ever meet. Right, worlds colliding that would not hanging have together. Yeah, so that was really crazy. But uh, the mask singer and was very isolating because you couldn't talk to anybody. Right. And uh, you're sort of sequestered in your area. Were you hot in there? I couldn't see anything. Yeah, but it wasn't. It it wasn't stifling in the way that it was just more claustrophobic. Like it wasn't because it was like a lot of space. Yes, Um, (laughs) but it was inside. It was weird. Um, But I loved singing, and I loved uh, kind of like the idea of can you measure talent without context. You know, wow, like yeah. when you hear like an individual's like voice, could you really like say put a number about like almost like a numerical value on it without right. understanding their background or who they are or who they are within the world that they're like performing in and what they're singing. And so it, it's really kind of you're taking a very big element of what makes a celebrity a singer or a singer a star, of, you know, is their context. Do you have... um any opinions on who in the Democratic field right now running for president would do well on those shows, whether it's singing, dancing? Who would do well? Um, gosh, <laughs> I haven't heard anybody sing. Um, you know, it's not That's like Bill point. Clinton busting out a saxophone. That's a classic. <laughs> That's a classic. Which is a total classic. It's a very, very early 90s classic move with the Ray Bands and the saxophone. Um, and I think his brother, right? Yeah, I think that's a meme somewhere. Once you become a meme, you've made it. Are you a meme? I don't believe so, but I, I would aspire to that at some point. Yes, for sure. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Who do you think would be a better dancer between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders? I don't know why I could sort of picture Bernie <laughs> doing like a mean tango. Like cutting a rug. Um, but all this talk about uh, political comedy, people have called you a political comedian. Do you see yourself as one or do you just feel like it's part of the gig to weave in politics? I think it's everything. I mean, I wouldn't say it's just politics. Like, I think it's everything. But the fact that I exist is very political, you know, being a progressive Asian American queer woman in a field that is mostly cis white men, cis heterosexual white men is like very much a political thing. Like you just are political because of the nature of your identity. That's always going to politicize everything. Um, so I, but I wouldn't say like, it's like, you know, to me, like, the image of a political comedian is uh, there used to be a comedian named Mark Russell who would do these shows on piano mm-hmm. in, like, you know, in Washington, D.C. And it was, like, uh, he was a very classic, like, sort of uh, political songwriter. and um, But it was, like, always very of the times, whether I think it was, like, Reagan-era stuff. Um, and so he was just very there. Right. Um, so that, to me, is, like, well, that that sort of, like, political comedian or like when they when the spitting image would do um uh like all of those like uh puppets of the different presidents and that you know um prime ministers and and uh monarchy you know so that that to me is like sort of what i picture as political, political comedy, comedy I, yeah. I want to be like the sort of 
Yeah, the political comedian that's sort of like doing guerrilla theater in the park with like a Nixon mask in the <laughs> 60s. Like, I like that kind of like, you know, uh, weird socialist uh, free performance. Um, in Very like out there venue, stuff. Usually in the 60s in San Francisco, maybe George Carlin's involved, like that kind of uh, like, like group, like the committee, which I don't, I don't even know <laughs> what it is, but it's like, to me, that seems like, oh, that's probably the more political thing. Like, I would be good in the Nixon era, <laughs> that's why I sort of work now. Well, some of this stuff is, well, a lot of this stuff is personal for you, too. It's not necessarily political. It's coming from a personal place. Yeah, it's all, it's all personal, and it's all, um, like, real sort of life experience and, and understanding the world as it is and, and um, trying to make sense of it through humor. Right. What are you looking forward to in 2020? Uh, a lot of things. Um, Besides sleep. change. That's, that, that would be great. <laughs> um, a change. Change. Um, some sense of uh, maybe back to normal. We haven't sort of been back to normal in a long time. And I don't know when that's supposed to happen exactly. But um, and I don't know what normal is. Hmm. Um, I think a normal that's not the new normal because the new normal was not, it's not normal. So it's like, uh, trying to figure out where we are and, um, trying to make us more sense of it. If I can, I think, uh, that's, that's the key, but I'm enjoying 2020 so far. I mean, even though it's pretty <laughs> crazy yeah. and pretty hideous, uh, I actually personally am having a good time. It's I, early uh, too. I always do. So yes, it's still early. Yes. Yeah, and it's looking good for you. And um, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you're on your fresh off the bloat tour until through 2020, correct? Correct. And you'll be in D.C. this weekend uh, for Riot, um, an International Women's Day event. And I think you'll kill it. I think you're going to do great. Thank you. I'm excited. Because I'm an expert, and I, I say that you're going to do a great job. Well, I'm so excited. Thank you for letting me know. I'm really, really glad. (laughs) All right, Margaret. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Political Theater is produced by CQ Roll Call, leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.